Welcome to Lectionary Mixtape. I'm your co-host, Ben Siebert. And I'm your co-host, Daniel Eisenberg. Uh, uh, wait, wait a minute. Just kidding. I'm your co-host, Brad Siebert, and I'm Ben's twin brother. Excellent. Brad is sitting in today. I thought for a little bit of variety, I'd grab my identical DNA and bring it in. Well, yeah, and I know Dan that, out of yeah. town. Yeah, with Dan <laughs> I, out of town. Gonna... We're, we're in sync with Dan out of town. We will uh, we'll be asking Brad to join us today. Yeah, and I was going to say, I know for the podcast listeners, it can be a little confusing with twins on. So um, I'm just a little bit shorter than Ben and I have a little bit longer hair. So that's how you can tell us apart. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah. Would you like, <laughs> in addition to really that visual cues on an audio device, um, would you mm -hmm. also like to tell them a little bit about your background? Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I'm Ben's brother, um, grew up Lutheran, currently attend a uh, United Brethren Church. And I've been mostly involved with worship teams for, um, well, since high school. And um, I've played on them, led them occasionally. And um, that's what I do now. So that's per perspective I'm coming from. We thank Brad for being here today as we uh, talk through the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. Those texts for today include Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, and Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Isaiah 58, 1 through 12, right? Yep. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands, commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for the people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share food, share your food with the hungry, and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like, like the dawn and your healing will quickly disappear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call 
and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am, or here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, and you will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Oh, before I forget, what version were you reading from, Brad? Uh, NIV. There's something else right. you'd prefer? No, not really. We just usually like to tell people what we're reading from in case they want to look up the different translations or stuff like that. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, like it all seems reasonable. What? Maybe we should be more specific. What seems reasonable to you? It's so I come like my current job is a business intelligence analyst, and it's very analytical and very much kind of looking for patterns and looking for, for things that stand out and stuff like that. This is very much if then type logic statements. Hmm. If you do this, then I'll do that. Since you haven't done this, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So my like future action will be based on what the actions are now. Right. Yeah. You choose. I think that that makes total sense. And I also think that Lutherans, uh, which is a background that both you and I know, uh, even though we're kind of, you know, in different paths right now, Lutherans have this tension with these if then statements, because we like to say like, there is nothing we can do to earn the love of God. Um, and so, you know, the, it's not an if then statement It's simply a statement that says, God loves you. And what I would say to that is I'm not sure that this is talking about earning the love of God. I think this is talking about what does God desire? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I had in my notes here, it's not just sacrifice he's looking for, but sacrificial love. So in other words, we're aligning the hearts and minds with the obedience of action. Because it seems like they were doing the sacrifices, but their hearts were not where God wanted them to be. Our whole lives are turned into these acts of worship, aren't they? You know, like if we're sitting in sackcloth and ashes on a single day or if we're fasting on a single day, but the rest of our lives aren't lived in love and service to others, then the fast doesn't really matter, does it? Right. What what difference does it make if the rest of the time you're you're living is anyone else? Yeah. And in verse nine, I think I like the the complexity or not the complexity the layeredness of the call and answer. Uh, so then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. And like in that answer, not only, not only are we hearing a response from God in the cry, like that simple thing of like, we will hear God's voice when we do these things. But all as we're doing these things, we come to realize this is where God is. In these actions, we are finding God. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
I, I thought it sounded, I had to do some, a little background research, but I thought it sounded like um, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Yeah. I really like how hearing the voice of God is connected to dwelling or dwelling, like walking in the ways of God, you know, doing the things that God is doing. It's kind of like if I would tell, I, I've got a two-year-old daughter. It's like, it's like if I would tell my daughter, I want you to be healthy. And she says, okay, I want to be healthy. And I say, eat your vegetables. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what to do to be healthy. Or, right. or even if she like eats one vegetable or spits it out or something like that. Like she's just not really doing what I want her to do. Yeah. Or what I need her to do for her to be healthy. Yeah. I mean, she can go around and talk about her love of vegetables. She can watch Veggie Tales. Like she, she, can, she, <laughs> she, she can do all kinds of positive promotion with vegetables. She can grow a garden. But if she doesn't eat the vegetables, like what do we care about the rest of the things? And it doesn't change my desires for her if she does eat the vegetables or if she doesn't mm -hmm. eat the vegetables. And she doesn't change my love for her yeah. or, or anything like that. It just changes changes where she stands in my plan mm -hmm. for her. Oh yeah. Now for any any how do I say this? For any text that I find myself super in agreement with and this feels like one of them. I usually try to say like careful bud like I feel like <laughs> you might not be listening, you know. <laughs> I like because Right. There might be something that somebody else might struggle with. Yeah. That I'm just well, like, no, not a problem. Either that or I might not be looking, I, I might not be hearing the call to me, you know, like, hey, you have a little bit of changing your act to do as well, you know? No, I don't think he meant us, Ben. I think he meant them. <laughs> oh, well, good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so too. And you know what? I thought all the I thought that all the way until verse nine. If you remove the yoke among you, the pointing of finger, this people like oh man, I was so good up until that. Dang it. Yeah, right. <laughs> he means me. Yeah. That's just artful though. I mean to 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 be able to say all these wonderful things that I imagine so many people agreed with. Like, how could you be against these things? But to say all these things and then remove the pointing of finger and the, you know, speaking of evil, like remove this kind of, yeah, this means everyone else moment. Like, let this sink into your bones, into your heart, into your ears. Like, it becomes a very personal thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So where... And we don't have to get like super personal on this one, but where do we find our own struggles in this? I mean, if we're being completely honest, there have been times where I've prayed and been like, so mm -hmm. are you going to say anything? <laughs> like, am I going to get an answer? Whether it's yes or whether it's no. And it's just sort of blank. And, and you know, however you want to interpret that, sometimes he's telling you to wait or whatever, but. But when it, when it just sort of feels like, all right, well, I'm mm -hmm. tossing these prayers up, God, and, you know, 
I know, I know what your will is. I'm, I'm praying according to your will. I'm just sort of, mm. I'm feeling a little ghosted here. Mm. Maybe it's time for me to look at what's going on. It's not that it's, it's not that I'm earning your response. It's that you're telling me something needs to change for you to get where you're going. If it's according to my will, well, and, to get where and you're I think going, it'd be good. I think you're right. I, I've had those moments too. And I think it'd be good to also say like the absence of God's voice is not always I'm doing the wrong thing. It is sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we have plenty of examples throughout scripture to say like, you know, that's not the same thing, you know, like when Job is crying out throughout the, the verses before God responds, like he's got a bunch of friends telling him to, to doubt God. He's the only upright person throughout the whole book. Um, so it's not that Job did something wrong, you know, it's, it's that there's other things happening. Um, and so, yeah, but, but two, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, it's almost like looking for someone um, in a house and you don't know where they are. Like you can call out and if you don't hear them, then you move to a different spot and see if it works again, you know? Like, yeah, you don't just keep calling from the same place until they come find you. Like you go searching. Right. Yeah. I, it's definitely, I'm not saying that it's always, you know, am I doing something wrong? I'm saying it can never be ruled out. You know, as long as we're humans, <laughs> we, we always have to say, okay, yeah, I've looked everywhere. I can't find him. Maybe I should look at me, even though yeah. I don't like that idea. Maybe I should look at me. Maybe I'm mm -hmm. not in the right place. Not that he's yeah, not I in mean, the right I, place. Yeah. I won't speak for the rest of humanity, but I'm pretty sure that fits for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll also say that, I don't know. I've always heard coals heaped on my head, so to speak. Um, when I've heard lines like, you know, you'll give your food to the hungry and you'll satisfy the needs of the afflicted. Um, and, and like, I feel like I do a good amount of work towards those things. And I also feel like I imagine I could do more, you know, I can dream of a way of life where I would be doing a whole lot more. Um, yeah. And if I can dream that life, like, I wonder if I'm supposed to be doing that life. Mm -hmm. There's also this, this line to untie the cords of yoke and set the yeah. oppressed free and break every yoke. And a lot of times we'll read that and be like, well, mm -hmm. I'm not oppressing anyone. So I'm not really, you know, I've sort of done what I can, but that's not exact. I don't, he didn't say set the ones you're oppressing yeah. free. It's set the ones yep. who are oppressed, whether you're the yeah. cause of it or not, Ex fight yeah. on their behalf. Not like it's not enough for you and your family to be free. Like <laughs> it is to untie uh, the chains of right. every single person. And maybe set setting the oppressed free might cost you something, even if you're not the one oppressing. Well, uh, do you mind if I read this one? Go for it. Awesome. All right. We're, uh, the second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, which I'm pretty sure is the whole chapter. All right. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. 
For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do speak wisdom. Though it is not a wisdom of this age or of rulers of this age who are doomed to perish, but we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except for the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them. They are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritually discern, those who are spiritual discern all things, and they themselves are subject to no one's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right. So it might just be because it was the last thing I read, but what always sticks out to me when I go through that chapter is that last line, because it talks about the spirit, the spirit, the spirit, and then knowing the thoughts of God and things like that, the spirit of God, the thoughts of God, the spirit of God, the thoughts of God. And then right at the end, it throws in, but we have the mind of Christ. And maybe I'm just splitting hairs. But it, I, I would like more, you know, sort of resolution of how those all come together. Spirit of God, mind of Christ. Well, I, yeah, I will say that the chapter book ends with Christ, right? When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not proclaim the did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words of wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Like, I think for Paul, everything comes out of Christ, right? So it, it, to use John, we are given the spirit of Christ. You know, the spirit um, of God is, is here with us. Um, and it's through that spirit that we're able to, we're able to understand these things. So are we saying that this Spirit of God and the mind of Christ are equivalent. Um, honestly, I feel like <laughs> I feel like the the spirit and the mind are two different metaphors that um, are not two different metaphors, but two different things that Paul is dealing with. I think on the one hand, Paul is walking through here saying that you know, talking about the various types of wisdom, which I think is what I'm connecting with the mind. And it's the wisdom of this world and of this age versus the wisdom um, of God. 
and and we kind of see that in six through nine you know um but then i also think that we're talking mm -hmm. about the spirit um which is kind of a marking of the things that are of god and 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 then the connection between the two is like how do we know if our wisdom is of god or if our wisdom is of the spirit you know how do we know if our wisdom is of god or if our wisdom is um just ours and and i think I think what Paul is pointing us to is that everything, just like the beginning of the chapter and the end of the chapter, we have to run everything through Christ. Christ is how we know if what we have in our heads is wisdom of the spirit or wisdom of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll go along with but that. But I will say that like, I don't know. Paul begins by telling us he's not going to use like lofty words or metaphors. And then, and then he goes in this diatribe with lofty words and metaphors. Um, well, I guess he doesn't say he's not going to use metaphors, but like wisdom. Well, he's, he didn't say he wouldn't use them here. He said, well, I wasn't going to do them at first. When I first came here. But I do like that. And if we're going to point to those beginning part, um, verse three and four, they sound like an honest of account of an actual sharing of the gospel by like, I don't know. No, no. I almost want to say, quote, a regular person, like just, I'm not going to use any lofty words. I'm not going to use any human wisdom. I'm not going to try to convince you or make a good argument for it. What I'm going to do is just stand here, boom, tell you what it is and let the power of the spirit of God work it out. I also think that like, Relating back to the text that we just read in Isaiah, um, this, it's not a litmus test, but this trying to figure out what is of God and what isn't is a very difficult thing, you know? Like what wisdom, what sounds like a good idea? Like we, we think it was a good idea, you know, to, to serve the oppressed like that, just like we read earlier. But how do we know that that's a good idea of God and not just some idea that we're liking at the time? Like, how do we run these things through Christ? How do we run these things through the Spirit? Um, I think that's a that's a discernment question that like everybody has. I think or I shouldn't say everybody, but like many many Christians have. Yeah. So, so this this verse thirteen sort of gets at that, and where it says, "This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom." but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Yep, sounds good. I like, I like the, when it's still in its cerebral state, like, and I, I'm like, oh, yes, there is a difference. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the, no, in the feeling, no, in the tone, no. <laughs> like, I can't use other words. Like, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know how to ground this thing. So when we say Spirit-taught words, are we saying effectively scripture? I, I think maybe. I think maybe. I, I, I like, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Maybe. Oh. Yeah, right. Nice strong um, take there, Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I, I think that for, for us, I think scripture is some of the spirit taught words, but I don't, I don't know that here Paul is talking only about scripture. 
I think here Paul might also be talking about the words of the Spirit um, that we that have been shared with us. Like, how have words of love been shared with us? How have words of grace been shared with us? How have words of mercy been shared with us? How have words of expectation been shared with us? Um, these can be Spirit-taught words too. I, I think that might be a neat way to go for this, like, whether it's in the preaching moment or in the, like, Bible study moment or the explanation to ourselves moment, like, what are some of the first ways that love was communicated to us? You know, like you and I can probably relate yeah. to this. Our, um, our mother, uh, when, when we were growing up, um, our favorite or not our favorite, but like a common phrase that we would use to make fun of one another in a very unfeeling way was, uh, to call each other stupid <laughs> as brothers. And our mother's voice would ring over everything that was happening and say, there is no one stupid in this house. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that they, she had to so say that. that then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she, I'm going to tell. Um, God damn it. She's texting me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think that that's a very, that's one of the first ways that I think I remember words being put to the, to the notion that every single person here has value and is loved and is, should be respected and should be cherished. And I think those, like, there is nobody stupid in this house for me were spirit taught words. How do you know they were spirit taught? And I sort of have an idea of the answer in mind, but how do you know that those words, even if they were loving, yes, it was loving, but not just a spirit can be loving. So how do you know that that was spirit taught? Because they sound a lot like Isaiah 58. <laughs> they sound like, a lot like, um, a lot like Christ where when one group of people are being are making subjects, not being subject to one another, but making subjects of another. Um, Christ always stood on behalf of the one that was being subjected. And mom's words were not, don't be mean. They were, there was nobody stupid in this house. They were sticking up for the one that was being hurt. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, definitely. They aligned with scripture. So we, it, it sort of passes that test. And also mom was a Christian. She was filled mm. as a Christian. She was filled with the spirit that, that, that spirit taught word that, that is the spirit coming out through her sort of that. That's, you know, when you really see somebody filled with the spirit, you don't really have any questions on if they're saved, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're, they're overflowing with it. It comes out of them. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a little bit of verse four, not to compare mom and Paul, but like my speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Um, yeah, I, I think I think we saw demonstration of the spirit and I think I think we saw human demonstration of the spirit. You know, this isn't to say like our mom <laughs> was Paul embodied and you know, rarely yeah yeah like yeah she wasn't floating inches off the floor like, like it was it was it was just very 
is plain spoken like words of the spirit. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Right. It just but it it rang true. Yeah. Yeah. And even if we didn't respect it, because we normally didn't respect those words, right? Like we'd keep yelling or we'd be mean <laughs> back or like we'd yell at her or like, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it happened yeah. more than once. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not that we were always good about this. Uh, nor were the words always respected. But I think over time we came to understand our particular brand of wisdom wasn't holding up. I think, I mean, we spent a lot of time on that example, but I think. All right. Well, real quick, I just <laughs> nodded in agreement. <laughs> that's, what that, that's what that pause was. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brad, would you be up for reading this one too? You bet. Matthew 5, 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, shots fired. <laughs> A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I really think that verse 20 is a huge call to like personal discernment. I don't think it's a call to be splintered, like as if we're all supposed to do our own thing all the time, but it is a huge call to like have personal investment in what's happening because I, at least, at least today when I read, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, I don't think it's just a comparison. I think it's saying, unless your faith exceeds the institution that you are used to, like you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I don't think that's saying like, you know, the scribes and Pharisees simply have it wrong. I think that's saying you got to like, you're on the hook for more than just getting along with what everybody else is doing. You're on the hook for the kingdom of God, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely, I took it as, so the um, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, in that day would be viewed as the most righteous people, right? I mean, they were certainly respected. I mean, they, the the Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, uh, you know, they they all like had their own little corner, and they were all critical, I think, of the other. Um, but also they were all seen as at least valid 
religious leaders. Right. So if they, if they were the religious leaders and they don't have the righteousness to enter the kingdom of heaven, I'm not saying it's because they're religious leaders. I'm saying because on their own, apart from Christ, they do not have that righteousness because only through Christ can you fulfill the law. Hmm. Hmm. So your faith isn't in the scribes and the Pharisees doing the right thing. Your faith is in Christ. Or teaching you to do the right thing, right? Or even you doing the right thing. Reaching a level of the scribes and Pharisees will not fulfill the law for you. Only through Christ will you fulfill yeah. the law. Hmm. When we use that lens, you know, like only through Christ, um, how when we read the rest of it backwards, how do we how do we hear it differently? Like when we read, we are the salt of the earth, but unless salt has lost its saltiness, how can it be restored? But if salt has lost its taste, how can saltiness be restored? I think, you know, to use that same lens, we would say salt, like our taste, our flavor to the earth only comes through Christ, you know? And the same with the light, like our example and our being able to show what might be hidden only comes through Christ. And this connect, connects to the first, or yeah, the first Corinthians text that we just read. I think sometimes the church can get caught up in thinking that it needs the next great idea. When I'm not sure we need anything but faithfulness to Christ. Like, I can't tell you how much time we spend in Psych Congregation, um, this one and others, the one that I serve, I should say, and others, that we spend thinking of programmatic changes, we spend thinking of ways to get people in the church, we spend ways to thinking to get people out of the church and into the world, we spend ways of uh, thinking through how to kind of maneuver people, and often, Lately, I have come back to the realization that, like, I think we could do, I, I think we would have the right ideas if we were grounded in Christ. Like, I'm, I'm, I think we're just kind of flailing here, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes we're overlooking the obvious. I know I had somebody talk to me recently and say, Hey, Brad, you're of a certain age group. We're trying to get that age group into our um, Bible study. Um, we were thinking about different ways that we could do it, different things that we could be doing in this study to attract more people to the stage. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I don't know if it was a spirit or if I was feeling smart alecky, <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah. I, I asked, well, ha have you personally invited any of these people? And the answer was no. Like, let's, like, like that, that is very much that first Corinthians two, where it says, I came to you. You know, my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Like, that's, let, let, let's not, you know, overdo it here. Well, even the beginning of the verse, even the beginning of the verse is, I came to right. you. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what, how does it look? 
for us. Yeah, anytime I'm agreeing with the text, I try to flip it back on, on myself to make sure that I'm not standing on the wrong side. Um, how's it look to us? Like, in what ways am I sharing the light of Christ with the world? And in what ways am I salt that has lost its saltiness? So I think something we could be talking about here is purpose. Like, the sort of the, the, the reason, like, the saltiness is the main draw of salt. There's still something left when it loses saltiness, from what I understand. And and it's thrown out and trampled on their foot. What is left is basically mm. rubble. There there's nothing left that is, is, is of value. So when, when we sort of lose our, our purpose, especially looking at some of these blessed R's, uh, I don't know if I want to go the direction when we lose our way, but when when we when we're not working towards our purpose, it's kind of like when we're working against ourselves, right? Yeah. Like what? What is it good for? It's not good for anything. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Say it again. Whoa, whoa, no. Um, but. Whoa, I mean, whoa, that, whoa. that might be your mixtape. I don't know. I don't want to ruin it, but, um, oh, okay. Um, but, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of like working against ourselves almost like, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm still not a good at throwing like, right. Like I, I can throw, I can throw better than many people, but I can throw a lot worse than a lot of people who actually try, you know? Um, and I'm talking about like throwing a ball, like a, a baseball or a football or anything else. And I've come to realize over the course of my life that the reason I'm not as throwing as I might be able to if I had actually tried and practiced and all that kind of good stuff is my mechanics are kind of bad. Like I throw pretty much with my arm and a little bit of my like shoulders. <laughs> but like I really don't put the bottom two thirds of my body into the throw correctly. Like I move kind of in the right direction, but I don't shift my motion. Like I, I don't shift my body weight very well. Like I don't, you know, like it. It's it's just it's kind of all weird and panics. Um, and again, I can get the ball to go somewhere, but I imagine I could be a lot better. And it's that kind of like it's it's like I'm working against myself, right? And and I feel like I feel like that's what it might be like to lose our saltiness. Like we're still there, we're still trying. Yeah. Like it looks nothing like what it could be, you know. What I really like um, about this text um is verse 19 therefore whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches us others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever calls them and teaches them will be great at, uh, does them and teaches them will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven and what i love about that is buried deep underneath it is everyone's <laughs> everyone's mentioned in the kingdom of heaven like it's almost like that oh, overarching like no one's stupid in this house like we're all being included somehow in the moment um like it's important to do what god is calling you to do but also god is very much seems to be tending to all all the people you know the ones who are acting in accordance with the ones who aren't i wonder and this might be a stretch is this is some of this even self-care or is that what it's aimed at here? Like, is it 
it, it, you are the salt of the earth, and but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? It's not good for anything. Like in the same way, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, a lamp put on a lampstand gives light to the house. Like build each other up. And then, and these blessed are those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart. I don't, maybe self-care was the wrong way, but like, like caring for each other and caring and, and in turn receiving care yourself is going to get you or, or keep you that saltiness or, or even that zest for what we're supposed to be doing. And and sort of building each other up is maybe what we're getting at here. I think it might be there. I mean, especially as you were talking, I, I realized like that connection towards the blessed um, to, to gather all these people in the same breath, um, the poor in spirit, the mournful, you know, the meek, um, and everyone to gather all of these in the same breath and to say these like these are the ones i'm talking to and you are the salt of the earth and you are light of the world and to be able to say like to them and to everybody else who hear it like the value in those statements you know uh to have these people who often might think less of themselves um as people worth worth their salt <laughs> you know uh yeah, yeah. Oh. um but but yeah uh to have these people be to be worthwhile people and yeah are we, are we still sort of in that encouragement mode when we get into 13 14 15 and 16 like is that are we running right into it even with the blessed hours like is this you are the salt of the earth like sort of is this pep talk mode? It kind of feels that way, like now that you mention it. And that's a great counterweight to like what we've been doing with these texts so far, which is like, you have to be doing these things, you know, like go do these things. And like, I think you and I are both doers, you know, like we're very much like go accomplish something. Um, but, but here's this really wonderful moment um for the ones that might be down on themselves whether they can't accomplish anything or whether they feel a lack of value because of the way that the world treats them here's a moment of being filled here's a moment of like both a little bit of expectation you are the salt of the earth like you know keep that flavor keep that taste um but also of great love and encouragement like all kind of swirled into one well, Brad, that actually reminds me of a song. Nice. Well, Brad, would you like to go first as a, a guest here? Sure. All right. So for my mixtape song, I picked uh, something from the brilliant, poetic, and improbable liturgical work of um, Five Girls Out of London, England. That's right, I'm talking about Spice Girls. And I'm choosing <laughs> Wannabe. Wannabe. <laughs> the lead up was good. <laughs> so, um, cool. Yeah, what you got? Very, very loosely mirrors Isaiah 58. And so um, it starts off, 
I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And that's sort of God telling us what he wants from us, like the, <laughs> the sort of sacrifice that he values. So tell me what you want, what you really, 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 really want. And that would be the Israelites sort of asking God what he wants from them. And they don't see him responding to like prayers and, and, and their actions and stuff like that. And so then we get to the chorus and it's, um, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. And so that I thought, you know, that, that sort of is like, um, in, uh, Isaiah 58, where it's, you know, taking care of those that are, that are in need. And I also sort of thought of like John 21, where it says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So if you love me, take care of my sheep. You got to get with my friends. Make it last forever. Friendship never ends. If you want to be my lover, you have got to give. Taking is too easy. But that's the way it is. Wow. law and the prophets in the spice girls <laughs> i mean that's yeah. <laughs> yeah like it's i am a little surprised how closely that fits like an allegorical setting like wow <laughs> don't be surprised you get that pumped out on Oregon sometime soon oh man but I picked I picked a little bit different um, of a feel uh, for my mixtape. Um, I went with Eminem's "Lose Yourself," and uh, <laughs> now I, I'm not. Yeah, right. Well, um, <laughs> I, I think you only got one shot. What I like about this song, and I'm not saying like I love everything that Eminem does, but I think he's very creative. Um, what I like about this song is this tension between kind of a lack of self-pride that, that happens, especially at the beginning, and this really kind of building yourself up to raise to a moment that you understand is happening right now. And so, you know, it's uh, back to the last, uh, after it describing uh, what was a, a failure in the first verse, he, he says, back to the lab again, yo, this whole rhapsody, he better go capture this moment and hope it don't pass him. You better lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. And what I really like about that is the weight of the moment. Like the thing dealing with in Isaiah 58 and in first Corinthians, and especially in Matthew five, like you're not going to be given unending moments. Like there are moments in your life that you have. And right now is one of these moments. Yeah. You might've screwed stuff up before. You might not even have a great sense of who you are right now, but guess what? Here's a moment and it's for you. Like take it. I really like that idea. Opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself in the music the most. 
a moment to walk in a way that's different than the rest of the world. Here's a moment to walk in a way that's different than what you might have done for the rest of your life. But here are these words from God, these words of grace and love for you, and these words of powerful love for your neighbors. Like, here's the moment. Wow, Pastor Ben got bars. <laughs> I like it. I like that that sort of weight of the moment. I, yeah, that that song does a good job of giving that moment weight. Yeah, and I, I will also say that I like how Eminem is truthful in the the really tough parts of his life in this song. And all of these are swirling around him as he's as he's looking at the moment um, and as he's living in the moment. And that's true for us, too. Like our lives don't go away when God says, go do these things, go be these people and you are loved. Um, but it's still the moment and it's still there, you know. Now, I will say, looking at First Corinthians too, the weight of the moment isn't necessarily on us. Yeah, especially looking at the beginning of it. But there, there is, you know a ton of value and and weight as in as in value to these moments yeah i i would agree i would agree well well i think that's going to do it about uh for us here at lectionary mixtape uh we'd like to thank brad siebert for being here with us uh today did you have a good time? You're welcome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Good. Um, we really enjoyed having you and and for, you know, pouring yourself into this moment. Um, I'm going to be thinking of the Spice Girls a lot now. Uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, we'll be, <laughs> it's a bit of an earworm. <laughs> we'll be back next week with the sixth Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, Dan should be back and we'll be back together with you. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.